This is ESPN Radio. Was shot in the arm for the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill, Will Levis, Malik Willis, whoever ends up being the quarterback there in Tennessee at the end of the season, because whoever that is, he will be throwing the football to D-Hop. Amber Wilson, Harry Douglas, hanging out with you here on ESPN Radio. You can also watch us on ESPNU. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So the big story of the day, DeAndre Hopkins has chosen the Tennessee Titans. It feels like, Harry, he chose the Tennessee Titans over the New England Patriots. It's been reported that it basically came down to a two-horse race here. He ends up going with Tennessee. He will be moving to Nashville for the season. Dan Orlowski, ESPN football analyst, was on Twitter immediately reacting to this news about D-Hop, and his reaction was what a missed opportunity this was for New England. It feels like a massive missed opportunity and loss for the Patriots and Mac Jones going into a huge year. Uh, number one, be because just look at the division. They are worse than the division when it comes to overall skill talent by far and bottom three or bottom four in the conference. So now you're going to expect your offense to have enough firepower to compete against the Jets and, and the Dolphins and the Bills and basically everybody in the AFC, and you don't. And you also expect your quarterback to take a big step and he's got not nearly the amount of weapons that other quarterbacks have. He's got in Mac Jones, Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, Juju. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins, Harry, and DeAndre Hopkins really would have helped a quarterback who's trying to still prove his worth to that New England Patriots organization. Yeah, Dan makes a great point because when you look at the division and you look at all the teams and you, you look at you put the roster on paper, uh, the New England Patriots are going to be last on that list. When you look at what the Jets have, the Dolphins have, the Bills have, but then you also look at all of those teams as well, and all of those teams have what you need in order to compete for an NFL championship. That's a quarterback. Now, Mac Jones has the opportunity to be better than he was in in year two. Um, to get back on the, the the train of what he did in year one or probably even better because he has a solid offensive coordinator now. But when you look at this division, it's just so tough. And it's hard to say that, okay, we're going to go out there week in and week out versus a team like the Miami Dolphins, in which we know they have two number one corners. They have pass rushers. The Buffalo Bills, Von Miller, um, also getting Leonard Floyd. They have pass rushers. The Jets in their top five defense as well. Quentin Williams leading the way. Who can rush the passer at the defensive tackle position? And now you're asking Matt Jones to go out there and be phenomenal week in and week out and compete with those other quarterbacks in that division as well. It's going to be tough. So when you add a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, if the New England Patriots would have done that, you have a guy who is quarterback friendly, who doesn't make the quarterback have to be right every time he throws the football to him. His catch radius is unbelievable. Going up and taking the ball off a defender's helmets, that's something that's second nature to DeAndre Hopkins. He has huge hands, and if you put the ball anywhere near him, uh, probably 95% of the time he's going to catch it. The percentages are probably higher than that, honestly. But that's something that the New England Patriots missed out on and, and getting a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and you know, 
poo-poo on the wide receivers that they do have because they do have a Louisville alum, Devontae Parker, on their roster. And they do have two tight ends, and we've seen what Juju was able to do last year with the Kansas City Chiefs, even though he had Patrick Mahomes. But DeAndre Hopkins would have made things a lot easier. And we're talking like this, Amber. We're talking like this with the Patriots having a top eight defense, right? Top eight in total defense, six first to run, tied for third in sacks, tied for fourth in turnovers in the National Football League. But it's their offense that we're worried about. It's not the defense. Because when you're going against high-powered people, you have to score points. And maybe it'll help not having the defensive coordinators running the offense. Crazy concept, I know. So maybe Bill (laughs) O'Brien will turn things around in that regard. But you're right, he'll have one less weapon to do so. And although you're high there on Louisville alum and Deontay and uh, and Parker, uh, it's it's a missed opportunity in terms of a dynamic weapon when Mac Jones needs that sort of help because of the fall off between year one and year two. And yes, maybe it'll look better with O'Brien at the helm there, but how much better can it look when you have limited resources to throw the football to that can get you, like you said, those catches that maybe when the throw is just slightly off and DeAndre Hopkins can do that, right? It, make it yep. make the quarterback look better. And we need those weapons around Mac Jones because there's so many questions still about the development of Jones from year one to year two. Year one, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. A pretty good season, makes a Pro Bowl given kind of a Bobo way to make a Pro Bowl but he makes a Pro Bowl as an alternate. Year two, 14 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Everything goes down year two. It doesn't even break the 3,000 yard marks in passing in year two. Year two looked dramatically different than year one. Certainly Bill O'Brien will help, but so would DeAndre Hopkins have helped. And you're just talking when you name the other teams, you were just talking about what they're facing multiple times within their own division, not even the other teams in the AFC. But the New England Patriots, as it sits, you heard Dan Orlovsky say it. I mean, they are one of the worst teams in the entire conference. And I would also say this. You look at a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, right, who last year in 2022 only played nine games. But he still led the Arizona Cardinals in receiving yards in only playing nine games. Mm-hmm. Crazy. That that that's unbelievable to me. That like now, it's some eight of other games. Arizona problems. But I'll also say this though. Like you you look at when you know Kyler Murray rolls to the left and he throws a hail mary up in the end zone. I can't remember who 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 it was against, but you have a DeAndre Hopkins that comes down with that football. Those are the type of things that he brings to your football team because of his size, because of his hands, because of his catch radius, that you can say, you know what, we're going to throw this up anyway because we do have an opportunity. It's not a one in a million chance when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins down there trying to go up and get that football. Yeah, I mean, that's... To me, the biggest loss here is because of what he can do and how much he could have helped Mac Jones. And it's sort of like the Mac Jones factor of this conversation for me, because with or without DeAndre Hopkins, the Patriots, to me, aren't competing for a Super Bowl this season. Frankly, even with D-Hop, I'm not willing to have the conversation that they're competing for best in the division by any means. But in terms of the development of Mac Jones and proving that he's the guy moving forward and taking that big next step forward for your team, I 
I feel like he could have gone a long way towards that goal. And that should be such a paramount goal for a Bill Belichick who is 71 years old, Harry. And you've heard Robert Kraft make the comments this offseason where he leads you to believe that there would maybe be a world without Bill because he has the expectation of winning and he has made it very clear he is not here for the personal achievements that he is here for Super Bowls. It's not Bill Belichick passing Dan Shula as the all-time winningest. That's not what matters here to Robert Kraft. He's made that pretty clear this offseason. Now, I'm not one who believes that Robert Kraft is going to move on or ever fire Bill Belichick, frankly. But Bill Belichick is 71 years old. So even without the pressure from Robert Kraft, he's got to do the winning now. He doesn't have a ton of time to figure this thing out again. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, like, when you have these young quarterbacks, surround them, surrounding them with the proper talent. We've seen it with Jalen Hurts. We've seen it with uh, Josh Allen. we also seen it with Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. All of these guys were surrounded by the proper talent. You look at Brock Purdy in the NFC with the San Francisco 49ers. Surrounded by great talent, so it takes a ton of pressure off of them. Uh, Mac Jones didn't have that a season ago, a season ago. Now you also added, if you're New England at the tight end position, Mike Gusecki, and you added Juju Smith-Schuster, adding that one more piece would have been, I think would have paid huge dividends for, for Mac Jones and what they probably wanted to do offensively from an offensive standpoint and his growth as a quarterback. Because, yes, he took a step back this past season, and we've seen that frustration time and time again on his, on his face. He got benched. But having another piece to the puzzle only helps your quarterback and elevates his play in his game. Yeah, something that feels so important for that team, something that they certainly miss out on here. Now, there are reports out there that the Patriots didn't really go very aggressively after DeAndre Hopkins, that the Titans were much more aggressive in their offer with D-Hop. It feels a little bit like damage control here on the back end for me with the New England (laughs) Patriots because we're hearing that after the fact, right? When all we heard during that visit was how great everything went, right? And the reality is if it went so great, he wouldn't have walked out of the facility in New England without a deal in place. Now, that was true in Tennessee as well. He also made the visit there, and he did not initially sign with Tennessee. He was clearly surveying his options and taking his time in making this decision. But for whatever reason, DeAndre Hopkins, whether it was because Tennessee pursued him more aggressively, whether it was because of his issues in the past with Bill O'Brien, whether it was because he got offered more money from Tennessee, liked the consistency there from Vrabel and the coaching staff, preferred Ryan Tannehill over Mac Jones, likes Nashville, Tennessee, whatever the reason. He ends up in Nashville. And so now we have to look ahead for this New England Patriots team, Harry, that will not have DeAndre Hopkins on it, still has a quarterback with a lot of questions. And yes, they brought in those off-season pieces that you mentioned in Juju and in Gasicki, but still a team that in my book, is last in that division. Oh yeah, hands down. And I think it's it's not even it's not even um, something that you you got to ponder about. Like when you look at the other three teams, and which they all three of the other ones have an opportunity to to all make the playoffs. Now it's going to be tough because scheduling for everybody in that division is also hard. But I'm gonna go back to DeAndre Hopkins really quick. I'm wondering. The trust factor, right, which I think is very important. You know, being able to play in the NFL for 10 years and having a brother play in the NBA, still play overseas. Trusting coaches is huge for players. Mm -hmm. And at one point, DeAndre Hopkins trusted Bill O'Brien, but then that trust was lost. But then you have a, a, a guy that was on the same coaching staff and Mike Vrabel 
who obviously he trusts because he chose them and also the offensive coordinator now in Tennessee. So that trust factor may have played a play played a role in, in that decision as well. Well, and you heard Diana Rossini in her report say that it is the relationship between DeHop and Mike Vrabel that certainly played into this decision making. So whether things had been smoothed over between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins or not, he decided that playing for Mike Vrabel was the better option down there in Tennessee. So a two-year deal for DeHop. In the first year, it could be up to $15 million. OBJ got a one-year deal for 15 mil, reportedly. That was DeHop's goal, but opting for a two-year deal instead. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio and on ESPNU, Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas, I will finally tell you, I know you guys have been waiting for it all morning, just sitting by your radios waiting for it. I'm going to finally get to it. I will finally tell you my top five players under the most pressure in the NFL this season. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is ESPN Radio. In the National Football League, there are pressure, there's a lot of pressure on a lot of guys year in and year out. Now, who those people are is a tale and something to be figured out. But I went through my list earlier, my top five guys that I think are people who have the most pressure in the National Football League going into the 2023 season. I'm Harry Douglas, joined by Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And I'm going to take you all through my list one more time, starting at number five, because I think who we define as having the most pressure is very, very important moving into this season. Now, Amber is going to give her top five at some point during this show today. And I'm going to start with number five is Chase Young. And the reason why I had Chase Young on this list is because he was drafted number two overall in 2020. He's a guy since coming into the National Football League, struggled being healthy on a consistent basis, only has nine sacks in the three years. And when you look across that defensive line in Washington, you have everyone else across that D-line showing up and showing out year in and year out, making plays on a consistent basis. Chase Young is the one guy that hasn't been able to do that. Now, the commanders have not picked up his fifth-year option, and there's a reason why they didn't do that. So this is a huge year for Chase Young. To, to show that he was worth that second overall pick in 2020 for the Washington Commanders. At number four, I had Mac Jones, and I think number it's self-explanatory. Four. When it came to his rookie year, he had a phenomenal year. 
did everything he was supposed to do, even made made a Pro Bowl. But in his second year, didn't have an offensive coordinator. I put a lot of that on Bill Belichick. But you've seen the frustration throughout the year that Mac Jones had, so much to the point that he even got benched at one point. But you look across the, the, the division and you look at how many other quarterbacks he has to go go up against. You talk about Tua Tungavaloa. You talk about Josh Allen. You talk about Aaron Rodgers with his arrival to the New York Jets. But he does have that offensive coordinator now. Bill O'Brien, who once was on this staff as an offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots under Bill Belichick. So now he has that stability. So what everyone wants to see in New England and also outside of New England is can he take that step forward? That's why he's number four on my list. Number three. At number three, I have Justin Fields. And I'll be honest with you guys. The only reason why I have Justin Fields on this list is because the Chicago Bears having two first-round draft picks in 2024 alongside of the quarterbacks that's coming out of college as well. If the Chicago Bears only had one first-round draft pick, I wouldn't even have Justin Fields on this list. But year two under the system of Luke Getze, who started to tailor towards Justin Fields and his strengths, really showed some promise last year. But now he has a number one wide receiver at his disposal. And also the offensive line is a lot better. Justin Fields was a guy that was sacked. I think tied for the most in the national football season in 2022. But I think with a revamp offensive line and adding DJ Moore as the number one wide receiver, you still have Cole Komet. You still have other guys on that roster as well at the skill position players that I think can make some noise. Now Justin Fields is going to be able to take a major step, more so than he made uh, last year, a season ago. So that's why I have him at number three. Number two. Number two for me, you look at the Big Apple, you look at the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Aaron Rodgers. And the reason why I have Aaron Rodgers on this list is because there's a reason why that organization went and got Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers and they gave up what they gave up. They feel like they have a roster to win right now, a top five defense. You look at rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson, who was rookie offensive player of the year last year, did some tremendous things. And I think they didn't even have you know, consistent quarterback play. No quarterback that they had on their roster last year completed more than 60% of their passes. Everyone was in the 50s, but now you had a guy in Aaron Rodgers who was a four-time MVP, one-time Super Bowl winner, a guy that won back-to-back MVPs in 2020-2021. He is looked upon as being the savior of this organization, leading them back to the playoffs and not just making a playoff appearance, but also trying to lead them to the promised land, something that we've seen Joe Namath do the last time they were able to win a Super Bowl. And lastly, at number one. Number one. I have the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why I have Dak Prescott on this list, even though I do not believe that he has more pressure on him than his head coach, Mike McCarthy, you looked last year, Dak Prescott only playing in 12 games. Well, 15 interceptions in 12 games, the, the numbers aren't, aren't mathing. That's not a good ratio. Your job as the court, at the quarterback position is to take care of the fo- football, put your offense in the best positions possible so you can become successful. Also, when I look at this team the last two years versus the San Francisco 49ers, ironically, the same team that they lost in the playoff, lost to in the playoffs, Dak Prescott didn't have his best games. And I bring up a play in the game last year when the Cowboys were facing the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy. 
they were backed up in their own uh, in their own territory. And C.D. Lamb ran a go route down the left side of the field, caught it. But if Dak Prescott would have led him on that throw, it would have been a walk-in touchdown. The Cowboys would have went up six, uh, six or seven points in that game. Now the pressure would have been on the San Francisco 49ers. Also, you look at the interception that he had in the red zone um, against the San Francisco 49ers. Another time he missed a post route to a wide-open guy. So when you look at all those things for Dak Prescott, that's why I have him number one on my list in 2023 as my top five players that has the most pressure on them going into the 2023 season. So that was Harry Douglas's list. You were supposed to get my list, but then the power went out and flickered and it came back on immediately. It's clear outside in Florida. There ain't a cloud in sight. And yet for some reason, power struggles here in power Florida as well. Not reaching so, the island today or what? It's not. The power is not reaching the <laughs> island. When you quite literally are on an island, Pat, sometimes, you know, it's difficult. It takes the power a minute to get here. We had a flicker. The whole world went down. I accidentally accepted a DM that I shouldn't have accepted. And what? Now what? Tired. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. <laughs> Yates, tell me that wasn't the timing, y'all. Like, that was the, t- <laughs> so, that was the timing. Not We're only all- was the timing crazy, when you lost power, the stressful look on your face that was frozen on our screen was one of, like, oh, my goodness, what just happened? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so brutal. I don't know what happens with that. But yeah, we were we were moving along and then all of a sudden power goes down and the whole world hits the fan. But Harry I had your Douglas, back though. I had your he back. held had your back. down the fort. So big ups to you for holding down the fort. Also, giving the people your list once again, because it's a good reminder, your list. I will give my list coming up. But in terms of Harry's list, I didn't necessarily agree with your number one in Dak being on this list at all. In fact, I'm not sure you're going to see him on my list at all. All right. Teaser. Don't tell anybody. But Dak Prescott, to me, is a quarterback that always has pressure in terms of the public narrative and especially what we do here on the national level. Let's be real. We're going to talk about Dak. We're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys a ton this season. And if Dak is messing up, you're going to hear about it over and over again. So that pressure exists. But I also just feel like that pressure exists each and every season for Dak. I do think Mike McCarthy has a ton of pressure on him this season, particularly now that he has taken that offensive playing uh, play calling into his own hands. I think, frankly, that in terms of the Dallas Cowboys, who has the most pressure heading into this season, not necessarily the quarterback at the helm, but we will get to my list now that I've got power back. That is next. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is ESPN Radio. 
Well, now the anticipation for my list, Harry, because now we keep teasing it. We've teased it over the course of hours and hours and hours at this point. So America is waiting for my list of the players with the most pressure in the NFL. Let's get to it. Number five. My number five is a player that Harry did not even have on his list at all, but that is Russell Wilson, a quarterback who got the bag when he went to Denver and then could not have looked worse in his first year at the helm there in the Mile High City. Russell Wilson was on everybody's list as a top 10 quarterback in the league for many, many years. He is a future Hall of Famer, and to go from that to this, what we saw this past season, is remarkable. It's like nothing we've ever seen. He just fell off a cliff within a two-year span from great to bad. And it's pretty insane to think that the drop-off would be that rapid and be that quick for a quarterback who, yes, is inching his way towards his mid-30s, but still certainly should be playing at a high clip. Russell Wilson, I think, has a lot of pressure on him to prove that it wasn't Seattle, that it wasn't Pete Carroll, that it wasn't any of the system there in Seattle, that he was, in fact, the guy at the helm there that we thought that he was in that last year was an anomaly. He has a lot of pressure on him this season. Number four. Tua Tungavaloa makes my list at number four, my quarterback for the Miami Dolphins and a quarterback that I think answered the questions last year in terms of accuracy and how good he can be. And even in terms of arm strength, which was one of the biggest question marks, certainly the addition of Tyreek Hill, the speed there from him and Waddle, the yards after the catch, he's got the weapons around him that he needs. The problem became the health for Tua Tungavaloa. Now health is a word that has plagued Tua throughout his entire career from high school to college to now the pro level there's a reason that the Dolphins aren't signing him to an extension and I don't expect them to sign him to an extension this offseason out of the same draft that we saw Justin Herbert get his extension or rather Jalen Hurts gets his extension we will see Justin Herbert get his extension we will see Joe Burrow get his extension I don't think we'll see Tua Tungavaloa get his extension because I think that the Dolphins who picked up his fifth year option are going to exercise that option and really evaluate here over the course of the next season, how durable he can stay and how healthy he can remain. It's pivotal to the success of that Miami Dolphins team. We know about the issues there with the concussions and beyond. I think there's a lot of pressure on Tua, not necessarily to prove he's a good quarterback, but to prove that he can stay on that football field. Number three. Justin Fields comes in at number three on my list, a quarterback that both Harry and I believe has some pressure on him this season. And the reason for it, Harry had referenced in his list, the Bears have two first round picks in 2024. Also, he ain't their guy there. You're not Eberflus's guy. You're not the front office's guy. The problem with not being their guy when you have a new coaching staff come in and you have a new front office come in is that they don't have the relationship with you and also they don't have the embarrassment if you aren't the guy because they didn't choose you to begin with. So because of that added to the draft picks, I think there's a lot of pressure on Justin Fields to prove that he is the face of that Chicago Bears team moving forward, something that I think he will be able to prove this season, something that I was already impressed by him at times last season tremendously, and you're talking about a team surrounding him that had been ripped all the way down to the studs. Frankly, I think the conversation around Justin Fields is a little unfair because of what I've seen from him. The snippets of talent that I've seen are off the charts remarkable, but nevertheless, again, when you're not their guy, there's a lot of pressure on you to prove that you are, in fact, the guy Justin Fields has that pressure this season. Number two. 
My number two isn't the guy who left, who Harry had on his list in Aaron Rodgers, but is the guy who is there now to take over the helm in Jordan Love in Green Bay. I think it's immense pressure when you're now filling the shoes of a future Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers, a dude who's won multiple MVPs during his tenure in Green Bay, a a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl MVP. We know the career of Aaron Rodgers, and frankly, we know about the career of his predecessor as well in Brett Favre. And so now they're looking at Jordan Love like, all right, lightning's going to strike a third time. It is so much pressure coming from a fan base and an organization that has for 30 years had of Hall of Fame quarterbacks at the helm. And I can't imagine slipping into that role of your Jordan Love because the attention span and just the deference that they will give to his development is going to be very short coming from that fan base and coming from all the pundits that speak about that team on a regular basis. I think that the pressure of having to fill the shoes of Aaron Rodgers is remarkable for Jordan Love, and also he's got to do it because they're handing him the keys to the castle. He is supposed to be the future of that organization. Now he's got to show us that he actually can play like the future of that organization as well. Number one. And my number one is a quarterback that Harry and I agree on as having a lot of pressure this season, and that's Mac Jones. And there's a theme on my list here, Harry, of quarterbacks that I think are in tremendous danger of losing their jobs. Mac Jones is one of those. If Mac Jones goes out and has the touchdown to interception ratio that he had this past season, it's not going to bode well for the future of Mac Jones as a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think Bill Belichick becomes the fall guy, even though Robert Kraft has made some comments this offseason that has alluded to the fact that winning a Lombardi is all he cares about and that maybe there would be a world in which he would move on from Bill Belichick. I don't believe any of that. What I do think is that there is a world in which they would move on from Mac Jones. Now they have the OC in place and Bill O'Brien. You're expecting that next step from Mac Jones at that quarterback position in his third year, which is certainly a pivotal season for all quarterbacks. I'm not sure you're going to get it. And if you don't get it from Mac Jones, he'll be the fall guy, not Belichick after this season. So I, I like this list. And I'll tell you at number five, I like Russell Wilson being there because number one, I don't think Russell Wilson can be any worse than he was in 2022. I think the only place he can go is up from what he displayed on a consistent basis. And that was not being consistent with his throws, overthrowing guys, also holding on to the football entirely too long. But you got a guy in Sean Payton coming in, and you got to believe Sean Payton, when he was in New Orleans doing what he did with Drew Brees, and I'm not comparing uh, Russell Wilson to Drew Brees, I'm just saying the mindset being on the same page with Drew Brees, a lot of those things he, he's going to try to do with Russell Wilson. Also, they're going to run the football a lot more and be committed to that. So I think Russell Wilson having pressure on him, I think at number five, is definitely um, good in those regards. Now, number four, Tua, I wouldn't – the reason why I didn't have Tua on, Tua on this list is because some things you just can't control. You can't control if you get another concussion. Like those things, they, they sometimes they're frantic and they, and, and they happen. Uh, so I, I don't think he can really control that. But I thought I think also what he showed in 2022 and throwing for over 3,500 yards, completing 64.8% of his passes, 25 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. You talk about the, pre, the precision and timing and getting the ball out on time and, and the location of the football. I think he's going to be better this season. And here's another reason why I believe that is because Mike McDaniel is going to be more committed to the run game. 
right? Which that Shanahan type offense, that's the baseline of it all. So now if you're more committed to that run game, I think you're taking less pressure off Tua and also he's going to be able to thrive more because defenses have other things that they have to key on. I just think he was so phenomenal in 2022. And then also you can't control the concussion aspect of it. That's why I didn't have him on my list. The Jordan Love one, I think he he, he could be on the list. I just wouldn't put him at number two. Because when I look at the Packers organization, when Aaron Rodgers became the quarterback, also when Brett Favre became the quarterback, those guys didn't make the playoffs. Although Aaron Rodgers had a phenomenal season his first year, but you know the hype going into it. And I think what you don't want Jordan Love to do is to start comparing himself to Aaron Rodgers. You want him to be himself. They have a lot of young skill position players, and I think those guys will be able to grow together. I think he is a better quarterback than uh, what he displayed his first start versus Kansas City because, boy, I was I seen the body language of Devontae Adams while he was out there throwing that football, and I like Devontae Adams couldn't wait till Aaron Rodgers got back. I do believe he's a better quarterback now. He does have pressure on him. I just don't think it's at number two. Those are the only little, little things about your list that I have, Amber. So the – Four top four guys on my list are all guys that I think are actually genuinely in danger of losing their jobs if they don't do yeah. well. Now, Russell Wilson been, being the exception of that, because I don't see how the Broncos can get out from under that contract. And he's got years left on that deal and they're paying him so much money. Russell Wilson, I feel like from a narrative perspective and a legacy perspective, because we are talking about a quarterback that will be attached to legacy conversations because of what he did the first decade of his NFL career. I think there's pressure there, but I don't think Russell Wilson's going to lose his job, frankly, even if he's terrible, because I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to move on from him. The top four guys in Mac Jones, Jordan Love, Justin Fields, and Tua, those guys are losing their job. Like, I think it's that do or die situation for those four guys. In Jordan Love, he's got some guaranteed money through 2024, but there's a reason they only handed him that short-term deal and haven't extended him since, because they want this opportunity to evaluate him. Maybe he gets one more season after this, but that's about it, so it really depends how it looks, and man, again, big shoes to fill. With Tua, you're right, maybe not fair that I'm talking about durability. He is, though, trying to learn new ways to fall in order to prevent those concussions. So they are actually taking steps there that it, for things he can do to try to prevent the concussions generally. I do think he answered the football questions last season and whether fair or not, though, those durability concerns are there. And so I do think the Dolphins would move on from him if they discovered that he couldn't stay on the football field. Obviously, Mac Jones and Justin Fields, I think, in that conversation as well. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, and you can watch Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas on ESPNU. One receiver says that he believes he'll end up with 2,000 yards this season. Can he do it? Harry will tell you next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
This is ESPN Radio. All eyes will be on Tua Tungavaloa and his connection with his receivers this season in Miami for the Miami Dolphins. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio presented to you, of course, by Progressive Insurance. So Tyreek Hill, he's the fastest receiver in the NFL, right? But... He also has a podcast because I'm pretty sure Tyreek has a plan here, Harry, that media is going to include after his receiving career, much like the Harry Douglas did after his NFL career as well. And Tyreek Hill on his podcast said, quote, it needed to be said, I will break 2000 yards next year, bro. 2000 yards was on my bucket list to get before I leave this league. 2000 yards and another Super Bowl. We get in that. Believe that what do you make about Tyreek Hill? And I, by the way, saying it needed to be said, I don't know if it needed to be said. I feel like we knew that Tyreek Hill would want to get two thousand yards. Amber, but what do you make of Amber, him saying it? Amber, that's the name of the podcast. It needed to be said is the name of the podcast. Yeah, that's the name of the podcast. Got it. On what? his podcast, it needed to be said. Quote: I will bring. <laughs> Got it. It's a comma in in Ironically, within that sentence, receiver. it needed to be said wasn't needed. Oh, man. Uh, yes, that, that part of that sentence was not needed. Let's try this again. On his podcast, it needed to be said, which is Tyreek Hill's podcast. Everybody knows that. He said he's going to break 2,000 yards. Harry? No, I, I love the confidence. And I, I think... We learned one thing from Tyreek here last year when he talked about Tua, although a lot of us may have thought that he was talking crazy. Um, he's seen some things in Tua. Now, as far as reaching 2,000 yards, this is a guy that had 1,700 yards a season ago and towards defenses, and Tua Tagovailoa wasn't there for every game. So uh, if you do the math, there's a great chance he could eclipse 2,000 yards. Also, I think it's two people in the NFL right now that has the potential to do this. Tyreek Hill being one of them. The other one is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson led football last year with over 1,800 yards and had a phenomenal season. Um, even though they added another wide receiver to their room in Minnesota, I still think these are the two guys I think that are that are feasible enough to be able to get this done. Here's what I'll say about the Miami Dolphins and Tyreek Hill, though. When you look at Jalen Waddle, I think Jalen Waddle is going to be that much better as well um, in his second season being paired up with Tyreek Hill. I do believe Mike McDaniel, if it's one thing he surveyed from last season from an offensive standpoint, it was the run game and not being committed to it and not calling it enough, even though they may have had a ton of success when they actually did call it. And I think going into training camp as an offensive line unit, your mindset is different when you are focused on the run versus focusing so much on the pass game. And I think year two in that system, in that in that Shanahan type system, that's when you really see things start to come together a lot more. Um, but there's still a chance because now if that run game gets going, that's just another dynamic that opposing defensive coordinators would have to try to break down and stop versus versus just trying to stop the pass game and you know those receivers going across the middle of the field where they want to throw a lot of those passes uh, at. So I think it's definitely an opportunity there for, for Tyreek Hill but also Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. 
Well, speaking of Minnesota, a guy who left Minnesota in Delvin Cook, I think this conversation also changes if Delvin Cook ends up a member of the Miami Dolphins. But for me, when we ranked our wide receivers, I did have Justin Jefferson on my list above Tyreek Hill as best wide receiver in the NFL. Tyreek obviously has the speed. He's dynamic. It's unbelievable watching him look almost as good catching passes from Tua as he did catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. He is a receiver that I think could get it done, just like Justin Jefferson is a receiver that I think could get it done. It's never been done before, though, Harry, so it's a lofty goal. Calvin Johnson, back in 2012, that's when he had those 1,964 yards. Cooper Cup also came close with 1,947 in 2021. No one has eclipsed 2,000. My money would be on both of those guys if one of them was to do it. Like, it's not the most outlandish thing Tyreek Hill has ever said, but that's a good Dolphins team. And he's sharing those catches with Waddle. It's not like he's the only weapon that the Miami Dolphins have. It's a good team. And that actually hurts you in this conversation if you're Tyreek, right? Like his usage rate was incredible when you consider who else is in that room with him. And that Mike McDaniel does has options. And then also, like you said, in terms of running the ball as well. So it's not like it's all on Tyreek's shoulders and it's Tyreek and everybody else. I do feel like in Minnesota, it's a little bit more Justin Jefferson. Jefferson show and then everybody else and that probably gives him an advantage not that I necessarily expect either of those guys to actually get it done but those would be the two names I'd throw in the mix for 2,000 yards well also Jalen Waddle had over 1,300 yards receiving last year think about how crazy that is two guys in the top 10 one has 13 over 1,300 yards the other one has over 1,700 but here's a chess piece that, that 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 can get interesting When now you have Vic Vangio as your defensive coordinator, you have Jalen Ramsey over there, so you have two number one corners. You brought David Long uh, to the linebacker group from Tennessee. You look at that defensive line. Now this offense may have more opportunities because of interceptions and sack fumbles. So now they're getting more plays in. They're getting more possession. So that may help this offense and Tyreek Hill out a lot that they may be able to feast off of turnovers that their defense has given them because they're so phenomenal on that side of the ball. Tyreek Hill last season was targeted 170 times. He had... Uh, seven touchdowns last season, like Harry said, 1,710 yards. The season before for the Chiefs, 1,239 yards. He was targeted 159 times. So if he can get it now, he had more touchdowns. He had nine touchdowns that season. But he's being targeted a lot more with the Miami Dolphins, and he's getting more yards with the Miami Dolphins. So if that rate keeps up, then you do feel like Tyreek has a pretty good opportunity here. A lot of that comes down to whether Dalvin Cook signs, what they do there with the running game in Miami, but also what it comes down to is whether Tua Tungvaloa is throwing him the football or not. And that remains to be seen based on the health of Tua. So that is a paramount concern this season for the Miami Dolphins. Tyreek Hill has his own goals. The Dolphins, I would imagine, have another. Coming up next, where do the Titans rank if we consider the entire AFC ESPN radio is on the ESPN app. This is ESPN Radio. More next. 